Our text for the homily this morning comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. Familiar passage, I'm sure, to you all. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me briefly. God, we're grateful uh, for this time. We're grateful for Christmas. We're grateful we could be together here now. And we pray that you would help us to sit humbly under your word. And please teach us by your spirit that we might uh, more clearly uh, see and know and love Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. You know, one of the things that surprised me uh, most when I moved out here to the Bay Area 23 years ago was the absence of lightning. In the Bay Area, we get rain, but rarely thunderstorms. In fact, I know when I first moved out here, I was surprised to notice that lightning made the evening news, that we saw lightning. And it's literally one of the top headlines on the evening news. Uh, But coming from the Midwest, I remember these huge summer storms with lots of thunder and lightning, and it was so freaky at night, right, when you'd get these lightning strikes so close to your house, and for a brief moment, the whole world around you is lit up as far as you can see. And even though it was just dark, right, everything is still there. You couldn't see it, and now you can. And it was just as you last saw it when it was daylight. I always found it so spooky, And that can only be a fraction of what these shepherds felt in the black of night when this being appears to them in blinding glory and the world, the dark world, is lit up all around them. They were afraid, as any of us would be. This was a person of terror for these shepherds. He could only be there to destroy them. And instead, he makes a royal proclamation of a birth of an heir. And then... There's a concert, a multitude of heavenly hosts, a portion of God's angelic army. Legions upon legions of angels burst into song. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Have you ever been around thousands of people singing together in unison? I saw Billy Joel and Elton John on their first joint tour. 
in the summer of 1995. It was Bush Stadium, St. Louis. Sold out, every seat in the house full, and of course the, the field was full too. At least 50,000 people were there. And their last song was Piano Man. And the lights were all out, it was the last chorus, pitch black, no music going, acapella, everyone, every single person in the stadium is singing together. And it, it gave me goosebumps at the time, it's something I'll never forget. Not life-changing, but unforgettable. And, you know, the shepherds here, they are out in this field, they get this amazing, once-in-a-lifetime, glorious experience. It's this dramatic spectacle for a handful of unimportant people. Why? Well, it serves as a sign. In this passage, we see the importance of signs. And we see lots of signs here. And real briefly, we're going to look at three of them. Real briefly. Signs of God's kingdom, signs of the king, and signs for us. So first, signs of the kingdom. We need to realize this was not a postcard setting. These shepherds out in the fields at night, right? This is not guys having a fun camping trip. It's very likely these shepherds didn't own the sheep. They were likely hired hands, day laborers, or in this case, night laborers. They were generally not trusted in society. And around this time, Jewish rabbis ranked shepherds as some of the most unclean people. These men are probably living on the knife edge of poverty. The only thing they can hope for them and their children is that they somehow survive. There will be no social advancement or upward mobility for them. They are the rejects, the nobodies, the picked lasts, the leftovers, the left behinds, and expendables. And the angels come and announce the birth of the Messiah to them. And as far as we know, that's the only official birth announcement from heaven to these guys. What's the meaning of this? Well, it's a sign of the character of God's kingdom. We learn something about the kingdom when an heir is born and their birth is announced. On July 22nd, 2013, Prince George was born to William and Catherine of Great Britain. He is now the second in line to the British throne. July 22nd happens to also be my birthday. He's born on my, my birthday. What, he should have been called Prince Robert. I don't know why. But uh, immediately upon the birth, there was a press release, right? The whole world was told. There was a traditional easel display at Buckingham Palace. The bells of Westminster Abbey and a number of other churches rang. There were 21 gun salutes uh, in various capitals of the Commonwealth. And many landmarks were illuminated in blue light signifying the birth of a boy. Now, what if instead of all that, the moment Prince George was born, a runner from the hospital was dispatched to East London to find the poorest and most under-resourced people. And there and only there it was announced that a prince and an heir had been born. No communication with the press, nothing to the prime minister, only the poor in an East London neighborhood heard the good news. What might that signify about the kingdom. The announcement to the shepherds signifies what kind of kingdom God's kingdom will be. This will be a kingdom where the last are first and the first are last. An upside down kingdom of reversals. A kingdom of rejects and leftovers and left behinds the picked last and the expendables. Why? 
Because every human society is ravaged by sin, and that's what causes injustice, exclusion, poverty, and oppression. And God stands passionately against that. His kingdom will not follow our ways and our kingdoms. And so to signify that, he announces Jesus' birth to people on the bottom, not the top. All right, sign of the kingdom. Second, sign of the king. The angel says that this is good news, great joy for all people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Right, the implication here is go and see, find the child, look for yourselves. And you can imagine the shepherds thinking, uh, no, we're shepherds. We don't go meet newborn kings. Well, then this is a sign for you. You will find him in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. That's the sign. If one of you came to me and said, hey, Bob, I have an old acquaintance. I, I think they might be interested in hearing about Jesus. Would you be willing to meet with them? By the way, they're also a startup founder worth over $100 million. I'd be like, come on, man, this, this person doesn't want to meet with me. I'm, I'm not interested in connecting with them. But what if you followed up by saying, they're at Pacific Catch right now. They have a picture of Bud Light, and they're watching a St. Louis Cardinal baseball game on ESPN. <laughs> ah, well, maybe we have a few things in common. I guess I could drop by. Maybe the conversation will turn around to Jesus. We'll see. See, that's why the manger and the swaddling cloths are assigned to the shepherds. Bethlehem was this tiny little village. It wouldn't have been hard to find the place where a woman had given birth a few hours before. Everyone in the village would have heard it. There were no inns, motels, or Howard Johnsons in Bethlehem. The word inn means spare room or guest room. There was no room in the guest room of the peasant's house where they were staying, which was probably someone in Joseph or Mary's extended family. But these homes had an enclosed front area where they would keep their animals sheltered for the night. Kind of like an attached mini barn. And that's where Mary and Joseph were and baby Jesus was laid in the animal's feeding trough. What the shepherds heard the angel telling them was, There is a newborn baby in a peasant home that's overcrowded. You will find him tonight alive and well in a feeding trough in the front room, wrapped up like a peasant child. The sign to the shepherds is, you belong to this kingdom because the king is one of you. This king is one of you. He comes in obscurity. He comes in weakness and darkness. He will know rejection and being expendable. He will experience injustice and poverty. And he will make a family of the leftovers and left behinds and the picked lasts. Why were only the shepherds told about Jesus' birth? Well, maybe because shepherds were the only ones who could have believed in a king like this. Sign of the king. Finally, sign for us. Verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Imagine how Joseph felt, right? He's thinking to himself, I have to go on a 90-mile journey by foot when it's cold with my wife who is late in pregnancy all because some pagan dude a thousand miles away has decided to count us so he can extract more money from us. Caesar is not one of God's people. He's not a descendant of David. He does not worship the God of the universe. In fact, he accepts worship of himself, 
as a human deity. This is not right. And Joseph is just one of the countless masses who would otherwise be unknown to history. He simply must obey and do what he is told. He has no power over his life or voice to impact the world. Emperor Augustus, on the other hand, is one of the most important figures of history. At the time, he was hailed as Savior, High Priest, Lord, and Divine. He brought peace to the Roman world. He secured the food supply. He created a new state built around the emperor, which lasted in some form for another 1,200 years. By any worldly measure, the guy was a stud. And God uses Augustus' own sinful agenda, his power and decree, to get Joseph and Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Even the most powerful individual the Western world had ever known, probably will ever known, was used by God to fulfill his plan of salvation. To bring the true king into the world, in the right location, Bethlehem, King David's hometown where the Messiah must be born. From the imperial palace in Rome to a two-room overcrowded peasant cottage in Judea, God is working salvation. That's the sign for us. Not only is God present and at work in the dark places and the lonely places, the shameful places, not only is God present and at work in the powerless places, God is present and at work in the powerful places. God is present and at work not just among his friends, but also his enemies. God is present in the halls of government, in the private jets, on the mega yachts. Through the people and policies that seem terribly unjust, God is present and working to establish his upside-down kingdom, both in Judea and to the ends of the earth, and it cannot be thwarted. Even Augustus has to do God's will. And so for you, know this. He is working in the boardroom. He is working in the White House. He's working in the operating room, the dean's office, the courtroom, everywhere, all to fulfill his plan of salvation, the redemption of the whole cosmos. Jesus came into the world in a place of weakness and shame and darkness and suffering. He came to identify with these things in order to end them. He takes them from us and he destroys them. Whoever or whatever the Caesar Augustus is in your life, God will use it to bring Jesus near to you. You might be saying, well, Bob, I'm not really one of the leftovers and picked last. The world's working pretty well for me. But Jesus' kingdom isn't only for the literal poor. It's also for anyone and everyone who recognizes their poverty of spirit, and their poverty of love. Anyone and everyone who admits they are thirsty and hungry for a deeper righteousness and reconciliation. Anyone and everyone who mourns over their own sin and the brokenness of the world. If that describes you or who you are becoming, then you too should join in the angelic chorus. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. 
God, we are grateful uh, for your word and not just scripture. We're grateful for the word who is your son, who came and lived among us. He tabernacled among us and he brought your light to the world. And I pray that we would walk and dwell and in his light today and in the rest of our lives. Uh, that we would recognize your love for us. We would recognize that he is our great high priest who knows our weaknesses uh, and is compassionate and merciful toward our failings. And that we would live and walk uh, in the reality of your forgiveness and mercy. That we are being made new and that that's why Jesus came. Please help us to uh, believe this, receive this, and trust ourselves to this good news now. Uh, that we might also be bearers of good news to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.